0: Procrastinating, a term most often used by the millennial generation, is a method of putting something off, delaying, or postponing something by taking part in the act of baking. Procrastinating, a place to talk about our baking obsessions and avoid doing everything else. Coming to you from Southern California, I'm Louisa. And from Eastern North Carolina, I'm Rachel. Welcome, Rachel, from Eastern North Carolina. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Hey, Rachel, happy National Donut Day. Ooh, I have not yet celebrated. Maybe I should go buy donuts. You should go buy donuts, and then when it's June eighth, you should also go buy donuts because apparently there are two National Donut Days. Um, oh, is one D O N U T and one like D O U G H? Yes, is that why there Yes, but like why? I don't know. I mean, I guess donuts are great, but like, do we need two whole days? I don't know because Americans don't compromise, so we need <laughs> one for each spelling. <laughs> Yeah, I think we talked about this maybe last season. Cause I'm a D-O-N-U-T donut girl. And you're you're D-O-U-G-H-N-U-E-T N-U-T, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um interesting. Well then I guess you can have I don't know which one is today. Oh, I don't I, know either. <laughs> you know, because I just spell it D O N U T. So if today is your day, then yeah, go buy donuts. <laughs> Otherwise, I have to wait till June. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's only fair. Um, all right, Rachel. So, what's going on? What's new? Not a whole lot. We've been having a good weekend. Lots of nice weather. Spending a lot of time outside. Been really pretty, so that's been nice. That is nice. It's. I'm assuming it's finally starting to get a little cooler. It is. It well, and when we say cooler, that means it's like 80s as the high instead of like 90s or 100s. <laughs> That's okay. We'll take it. But yeah, it's like hot that you can enjoy instead of hot that you try and get out of. Are you doing any like extracurricular baking right now? You know, I did make some scones last week just because I wanted some. I think it was last fall found a recipe for scones that kind of taste like shortbread cookies. (laughs) (laughs) So, And they have mini chocolate chips in them and they have a really nice creamy glaze. And ooh. I just saw all of a sudden thought about them one night and was like, ooh, let's make those. Isn't that the best, like, that late at night inspiration when you're probably supposed to be doing something else? Yes. And then you're just like, light bulb, baking light bulb goes off. And you're like, you know what? This is what I'm going to bake right now. Yep. So I made those and then ate them for breakfast the rest of the week last week. So that was nice. Oh, wonderful. Um, and you, I remember we've talked about this. You're not like a huge fan of shortbread. So, I am picky about it. (laughs) Ooh, complicated. Okay. But I do like it. So, if it, but I find a lot of times it's like really not done well and it's kind of dry. Yeah. Um, But if it is good shortbread, then yes, I do like it. Okay. That's fair. Rachel only likes good shortbread. Everybody note (laughs) this down. Keep a list. (laughs) The likes and dislikes are getting more particular as we go on. (laughs) So much more snobbier. Um, What about you? Any extracurricular baking? And not really, not yet, because I've been waiting for other people to come and eat my my baking. (laughs) (laughs) And I will have, yeah, I got to be strategic about it. You know, I like pull up my calendar. I'm like, when am I going to see other people outside of my household? Okay, this is a good time for me to make a bunch of things um so my brother-in-law is coming into town to visit this coming weekend nice and yeah and he's got a real big sweet tooth which is awesome for me so I'm thinking about making pumpkin chai cheesecake bars Ooh, that sounds really good that's the plan it might take another form but I know for sure it'll have pumpkin and chai and yeah, I'm really excited because now, well, we're recording this in October, but it'll be airing in November, but November is prime time pumpkin season. So it'll be very timely. And what else am I going to make? Oh, I got a request. It's so funny because Raul will sometimes, will be like together. He has like the baking light bulb go off too, except he doesn't actually bake anything. He just requested. <laughs> so we were like hanging out late one night and he asked me for some kind of, Oh, here we go. Okay. So he has a birthday coming up. This is what it is. And he is torn because he really likes pie. So he wants some kind of like peanut butter chocolate pie, but he also would not be opposed if it was in cake form. (laughs) So I'm trying to suss out like what exactly I'm leaning more towards the pie because I think that would be more interesting to do, but. Yeah, I make a peanut butter pie frequently for my father-in-law, peanut butter chocolate. Ooh, Rachel, you might have to share your recipe. Yeah. Because that sounds exactly like what he wants. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, yes, so have some things coming up in the works that will be extracurricular fun projects. And then this is like far, not that far off, but. Claudia has a first birthday coming up and I think I'm going to try to make her first birthday cake myself. I don't know if that's crazy, but I kind of want to do it. Um, I don't think that's crazy. Okay. Well, that's reassuring because I was like, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't think I can do. Here's the thing. Like we might have a, the plan is to have like a party and for the party, I would like to get her like a nice cake from a bakery. But I also want to do, have you seen those um, smash cakes? Yeah. So you're going to do that? Yeah. But I want that to be like something we do at home with just, you know, with just us. And hopefully you too, Rachel, because you'll be here visiting. Yeah. That would be so fun. Yeah. I think that could be fun. I want to do it at home just because I feel like it could be cute to do a little photo shoot here with a homemade, everything homemade, you know, at home with a homemade cake. So for that, that feels like something I could do. So I, I've been brainstorming ideas, like how big do I want it to be. She tried dairy for the first time, so I think she might be okay with dairy. So even just getting a sense of what ingredients I could use. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's like a longer term project that I'll have to figure out, but I'm excited for it. That's exciting. Yeah. Um. Before her birthday is Halloween. Do you? Are you guys going to have your Halloween party this year? Oh, that's right, Halloween. So we're not going to do Halloween, not not the party. We used to do a party every year, but this year, I think we're just kind of all in on the birthday party. So <laughs> Halloween party, mm-hmm. we'll have to take a seat there. But we are doing other Halloween-themed things. So we are going to, we have a family tradition that we go to the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. They do movie screenings there. And we're going okay. to go see The Shining in a couple weeks. I'm super excited. Have you ever seen that movie? I know you're not into. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. I know about it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, I think it'll. It's such a good movie, and I think it'll be even better seeing it like in that atmosphere. Yeah, that's um, cool. How the the atmosphere part will be really nice. I think. Yeah, it's always super cool. It's got like an eerie vibe, and yeah, it'll be great. And then we're also going to see the Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, yeah. I have seen that one. <laughs> yeah, that one's. That one's cute, and we're gonna go see that in concert. So they are gonna play the movie, and then um, a live or- orchestra is gonna play the the music. So oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I'm excited. So we're doing that with some friends later in the month. So and we are doing a family friendly Halloween event too. So we have a uh, our costumes already picked out. We are going as the Flintstones, and yeah, uh, yeah, Oh, I'm so excited! I got Claudia the cutest little pebbles costume. Um. And we will be going to an event near where we live where they do like a walk through Halloween Village. It's very family friendly and they do like trick or treating as you walk through cool. for the kids. So glad is a little too young for trick or treating, but I think she'll enjoy just like looking at everybody in costume, which will be really yeah, fun. Definitely. Yeah. So lots of fun stuff coming up. Nice. We like big bunts and we cannot lie, National Bunt Cake Day is celebrated on November 15th and Louisa and I baked some bunt cakes to join in on the festivities. These cakes bring us nothing but joy and I can't wait to tell you about how wonderful they turned out. Louisa, why don't you tell us about your bunt cake? <laughs> I give you like 500 stars because you made that, you made it through without laughing once. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Um, that was a lot of bunt everything. And I loved it. Um, so I made a chocolate chip marble bunt cake. Um, I got the recipe from The Midwest Made Ooh. book. Yeah, I haven't really used that book much, but every time I flip through it, I'm like, why don't I use this book more? Everything beautiful. in there just looks so beautiful. And for the most part pretty practical like I appreciate that most of her recipes don't seem very technical
1: um, yes or complicated
0: like home baking oriented I feel like yes exactly I feel like that she makes it seem very accessible which I appreciate so um, I'm glad that I got to try it out and I'll talk about my sweets first so the cake was delicious and the marble pattern the swirl looked really pretty I think it, it's like a very pretty cake that you would it would be good to take to like a, a dinner. It looks fancier than it is, I guess is what I'm trying to say. The cons is that I cannot, this is like a recurring issue I have with the bunk pan. Um, it's a beautiful pan. It's one that you got me, Rachel, from, I think it's like a Nordic wear. It's got like a really beautiful pattern on top. But the problem is that I don't know if it's because it has such a beautiful pattern on top. I always get the cake sticking and it doesn't matter like if I use shortening or- butter or I don't know it, or flour I floured it this time after using shortening and it's still stuck and I just can't it's like a problem that I can't figure out which is so frustrating I will say At though the same do you yeah it's like we are the curse of the bunk cake yeah. <laughs> truly and the spirit of Halloween <laughs> um yeah so I will say that I think this problem was probably worsened by the fact that and this is this is where I went wrong it is a chocolate chip marble bunk cake and I got all the way to the end after pouring the batter in. and I was like oh I forgot to add in the chocolate chips so I just kind of like tossed them in I probably should have like sifted them in flour first because what happens is that they all sunk to the bottom Mm -hmm. and then when it yeah I mean, I think it probably would have stuck anyway, honestly, because I've made other bunt cakes in that pan that don't include like chocolate like that. And it still sticks no matter what, but that probably made it a whole lot worse. So the sticking was not great. I was hoping to have like the beautiful after picture of the whole cake, but I couldn't yeah. get that because I had to like spoon it out of the bottom, <laughs> but you know what? All in all, it tasted good. And the slice of the cake looked really pretty. So There you go. Yeah, I would make it again. I just maybe need either a different pan or some kind of magical, I don't know, something. I've seen something called cake release and I haven't tried it yet. Is it like a spray? I think it's like a goopy type product. Interesting. Cake release. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm getting desperate enough that I would maybe try it. Yeah, me too. I have a really pretty pan that's got like a heart design and has all these little teeny tiny hearts all over it. And the very first time I used it, it came out perfectly. And ever since then, it sticks in the pan. Oh, that's a bummer. You know what, though? You bring up an interesting point. There's something to be said over it getting like worse over time. So I remember that the first cake that I made in this pan released fine. And then it was like every other time... I used it since then. It gets progressively worse each time. So I'm wondering if it's like something that I'm not doing correctly with the way I'm caring for it. Like- That's what I was gonna say. I wonder what we're doing wrong. Yeah. I mean, I never put it in the dishwasher or anything, but maybe I let it soak too long, you know, in the sink with so I don't know, but- Yeah. I don't think mine went in the dishwasher either. I'm, I mean, it's been a while since I've used it because I'm like terrified now. <laughs> yeah, it does. It just makes you so- I don't know. It's like disheartening. So you don't even want to try. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. This is like a work in progress. We almost need like an update, maybe like end of season update if we've been able to tweak it and figure it out because I get so frustrated yeah. that they never work out. But anyway, okay. So tell me what bunt cake you decided to make. Um. So I went with chocolate cherry. I had seen something on some social media platform. I forget which one um, where you basically just pick your cake mix and your fruit pie filling canned pie filling of choice and kind of mix and match. So I did a chocolate cake and you pour half the batter in the pan and then pour in the pie filling and then pour the other half. And so it makes like a tunnel of fruit in the middle. And Mara says, cause a lot of my cake, even if they came out of the pan, cause I used mini bunt cakes. So I had like half of them turn out and half of them not. Okay. But even the ones that came out clean, some of them broke and they broke where the cherries were. And she said when she does something like that, she mixes it, like swirls it a little bit. And she thinks that makes it bind together more instead of just being separate cherry pieces. Oh, okay. So apparently that's her trick <laughs> for fruit inside of your bun cake. That's good. She's got a lot of really good tricks for baking things. So yeah, she makes bun cakes fairly often, I feel like, or pa- some kind of pound cake. Yeah. Yeah. So she, I don't know. She, she's our go-to for the sticking problem. We'll consult. Um, okay. So how was the flavor of the cake? Oh, it was great. So <laughs> I, um, I, when you put a chocolate, a milk chocolate ganache on top of them, that really helped because some of the cake was a little dry. I don't know if it was just a chocolate or what that made it dry, but yeah, the flavor was really good. And the cherry pie filling was good in it too, because it's like the, the pre made pie filling is like already like got this juiciness to it. So okay. the middle of the cake was not dry, even though the, the top of it was. I think maybe, maybe they just overcooked it. I don't know. Maybe that's why it stuck. <laughs> I mm. baked it in the pan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love the sound of the flavors together. That sounds really good, really appealing. Yeah, I really like that combination. And then just even hearing you explain the process, it doesn't sound super complicated to me. No. And I, I forgot to mention this. I used because I saw on another a different social media thing, um, <laughs> people combining chocolate cake mix with brownie mix for a Bundt cake. Ooh. I also contributed to my breaking. I don't know, with the brownies being a little drier, maybe, oh. but the taste, I think that really helped with the chocolatey taste. It was super, super chocolatey. So, when you saw this on social media, was it what was, I guess, the purpose of mis- mixing the two types? Like, it make- didn't have one, it just came off like a recipe, like, Oh, I've got this genius cake recipe. <laughs> it ended see. up being just mixing a box mix with a brownie mix. I see. Oh, um, well, funny. I'm not a box mix person usually, so I bought like um Ghirardelli brownies and like triple chocolate pudding cake mix or something like that. So, okay, yeah, I'm not big on the brownie mixes and the cake box mixes either but sometimes when you try them I feel like they work out really well especially if you're adding other things to it to kind of make it extra moist or yeah flavorful yeah very nice okay so we had well I'm glad you said that at least half of them came out okay yeah they did and I took them to them. well Mike took them to work and I took some to the neighbor so yeah that's good your neighbor your sweet neighbor Mm -hmm. that always gets your baked (laughs) Mm -hmm. well we're still working on talking him into into being a guest (laughs) on our show right (laughs) Yeah, that would be fun to give a thorough review of all the things you've given to him (laughs) um wonderful so I guess we had a semi-successful Bundt cake day. Yeah, I think so too. And I'm not even a huge Bundt cake fan, but I really enjoyed this challenge. Very nice. Rachel, I don't know about you, but I can be a little chai sometimes. We both love to incorporate chai spice into our bakes and thought it would be fun to learn more about the history of chai. And of course, use chai spice as one of our baking challenges. I read a really great food and wine article about the history of chai, which I will make sure to link in our show notes. And in the article, they discuss how in America, we talk about chai being a flavor of tea and um, chai actually originates from india and is a big part of indian food culture and the word chai literally means tea in hindi and Mm. there it refers to how the tea is prepared not flavor so much um chai in india has its roots in british colonization which influenced the way that it was prepared so they use the english style of making tea Um, using black tea, and then adding milk and sugar. But then they went further and added their own spices, which usually involved adding cinnamon, ginger, cloves. And I thought it was super interesting to learn that there are regional differences in India of like what chai would be like. Um, So I read that sometimes they use green tea instead of black tea. Um, In some places, they add almond to the tea. And in other places, they add a little bit of salt which I thought was super interesting. And then I learned a little bit more about like what's considered typical to have as the spices for the chai. So the most popular is using cardamom and then other things that are added include ginger, cinnamon, star anise, and cloves. And for this episode, we decided to make chai flavored bakes. So I thought we could talk about what spices we use for our chai spice blends. And then we can talk about what we decided to bake with it. Sounds good. So I don't remember what I use. <laughs> I remember what I made, but I don't remember. <laughs> and that's the end of this segment. We don't remember. <laughs> I know I don't remember because I used um, store-bought chai tea bags. Oh, that's right. Okay. Well, do you know more or less what, what's in them, I guess? Yes, there's that. So it's black tea for sure. And there's definitely um, cardamom and cinnamon. And I think there's ginger and cloves. That sounds about right. There's at least those things. Have you had much experience with the star, Anise? So not until last Christmas. And now I have a big bag of it. (laughs) Okay. Um, I bought it for a particular thing I was doing at the museum and we only needed a little bit. And so I have the rest of it. It's really pretty. Yeah, I oh, I remember the cake you made. Now with the yeah, yeah, and so after that, I've used it, but I don't use it a whole lot for as much as I have. I should probably be making like starry something every day. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I'm curious about the flavor. I know that my mom. I'll have to ask her. I'm pretty sure she uses it in there's like a tea that they in Honduras that they drink a lot for like during postpartum. I think I'll have to ask her, but I remember she brought it up after the baby was born. Um, I was just curious because I saw that listed that as being very popular in chai, but I was like, I don't think I have had much experience. Um, Okay, but you use the store-bought chai blends. And then what did you make with those tea bags? I made very delicious chocolate chai bars. Ooh, which I saw your picture looked very pretty. They were pretty. I was so happy. (laughs) (laughs) It's very rare that my desserts turn out pretty. So I was like, look at this. And I was able to cut them small like they were supposed to be, which was really nice. Um, I already knew that I liked chocolate and chai together because a lot of times I will make hot chocolate with chai tea instead of from water or milk or whatever. Okay. So I knew I already liked the combination, but I don't think I, have well, I made cookies once, chocolate chai cookies. But other than that, I hadn't had it baked. So I decided to make these bars. And it listed the chocolate as optional. And I was like, that's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> but they were really good. They were simple. They were like a one bowl, mix up bars, spread them out and then make a, you know, I think it's just melted chocolate poured on top. Um, so it was really quick, really easy. And I took them to work. People like them. Even people who told me they don't like chai like that. <laughs> wow. Where did you get the recipe from? Um, online. I believe it was a Dory Greenspan Recipe. Okay. Um, I really like her. I have a few of her cookbooks, like um, Dory's cookies and different things, and almost everything I made from her turns out really well. So when I saw it was her recipe, I knew that's what I wanted to make. And it's interesting that you said that people who don't even really like chai enjoyed them. Um, yeah. I don't know. I kind of wanted to say, have you had chai? Do you <laughs> just think you don't like chai or <laughs> did you actually try chai and not like it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I wonder if some people get overwhelmed by like too much spice which I'm like laughing as I say because I'm like culturally like I don't know Hispanic food has tons of spice and everything so maybe it's just what you're used to but I don't know yeah, I guess people pick on me and my father because before we eat we like sprinkle black pepper on everything <laughs> <laughs> it's funny it reminds me of this other time where I like made your spiced brownies that wow. I love that recipe I took it to like a, a gathering and some of my friends my Mexican friends do like love them but my other friends who were not used to having a lot of spice were like they didn't like them <laughs> um, <laughs> and we had a hard time in Korea because you know the language barrier trying to distinguish when people said it's spicy if they meant it's like hot or if yeah. they meant it has lots of flavor yeah that's a good point I think it people get confused sometimes about what it means so there's nothing I mean chai is so flavorful and not spicy oh. in the sense of like hot sauce spicy so right All good things uh well that's great well I'm glad it was so successful and yeah they looked really beautiful um and I'm surprised to hear they were a one bowl because I I guess just looking at them and hearing what it is you think it would be more difficult but yeah was- I mean I guess it's technically two bowls if you melt the chocolate in another bowl but I'm <laughs> thinking of it all was just like making brownies. Yeah. So I've seen your pictures and they look delicious. So tell me about what you made. So I made white chocolate chip chai cookies and Ooh. I used the base chocolate chip cookie recipe from 100 Cookies. Nice. Because, yeah, because I really love the texture of all the cookie recipes in that book. They're like the perfect amount of chewy. Yes. And so I knew that I was going to like that recipe. And I made a chai spice blend using cardamom, ginger, cloves, cinnamon, nutmeg, and black pepper. And this is a blend that I found, I'll have to link the site that I got it from, but I've used this blend before when I make the apple chai cinnamon rolls that i've made a couple times now oh yeah which i might just link the recipe to that too because i think oh, everyone say, should make it. Have to say <laughs> that because that sounds really good oh it is so good i've made it i think about 3 times now um usually around thanksgiving is when i'll make it because it's just like perfect and so I already knew that I liked the blend. And what I did was that I also subbed in white chocolate chips instead of milk chocolate chips. And then I added about maybe two and a half to three tablespoons of the chai mixture. So it was, I was worried it was going to be too much, but honestly, after it baked, I feel like it was, it was perfect. Like it does come in strong, but it's not overwhelming. And then the white chocolate is actually a really nice complement to the chai flavor. I, I can see that. It kind of like tones it down a little bit, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of worked that I feel like I put a lot of the chai spice blend in there because it, you're right. It did. It did kind of tame the, the flavor. And I think they turned out great. The texture was good. The flavors I loved. I like had a bite of it. And even though it was like maybe 95 degrees that day here in California, mm-hmm. I was like, it's fall. Fall is here. And <laughs> I sent them to my friends and they loved them. So I think it was a success. Nice. Yeah. I saw your pictures. They looked great. And I'm not a huge white chocolate fan, but I could see these being really good. Yeah, me too. I don't really use it that much. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not like drawn to white chocolate, but in this context, I think it, it actually worked that well. So it was fun to experiment a little bit. That's been my whole, listeners will remember, that's been my whole focus of the season (laughs) is to kind of veer away and add in my own ideas to recipes. So so far it's been successful. I think I'll keep going. See what happens. And chai is such an easy thing. Like I struggled to determine what to bake at first cuz I was like, ooh, chai chai cinnamon rolls or chai cookies or chai cheesecake or chai <laughs> like that <I> was <laughs> going and going. I was like, I'm going. Pick one thing. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's it goes so well with so many things. So there's so many options. Definitely. <laughs> Baking is a great way to explore the food of other places without leaving your kitchen this season we are on a grand u.s baking road trip we are stopping in 10 different states to learn about local food favorites and recreate dessert specialties despite it being very geographically inconvenient we drove from utah all the way (laughs) into massachusetts for this next challenge Before we talk about our Massachusetts bakes. Let's see what fun facts Rachel knows about this state. Ooh, Massachusetts trivia. Ooh, <laughs> very specific type of trivia. Okay, Rachel. So, what is the official state cookie of Massachusetts? Ooh, the chocolate chip cookie. Very good. I was gonna give you a hint, but then I forgot. But you also figured it out. So I remember, yeah. <laughs> very nice. Yes, it is a chocolate chip cookie okay what is the official state dessert um is it boston cream pie it is very nice boston cream pie which i think we have both made at some point yes yes okay so next question what famous coffee slash donut chain opened up their first store in quincy massachusetts back in 1950 ooh coffee slash donut so I can think of a donut chain that now sells mostly coffee. I feel like so. I'm gonna guess them. Um, Dunkin' Donuts. You are correct. Yes, they've rebranded recently, and I guess yeah, are refocusing more on the on the coffee aspect. But yes, that is correct. Dunkin' Donuts. And their donuts are terrible. <laughs> they are <laughs> terrible. So it's probably good that they're rebranding. Sorry, Dunkin'. <laughs> okay, and then last question: Union Oyster House in Boston, Massachusetts is the oldest op- is one of the oldest operating restaurants in the US. Can you guess what year it opened? Ooh. Um 1802. That was not too far off. It is 1826. Oh, nice. Did yeah. you go there when you were in Boston? I did. I got to go there um with my dad and it's like a really cool place to be. They've like maintained some of the original parts of the restaurant. Like there's this old bar that's like, I mean, I'm sure it's been like, you know, kept up with, but it was one of the original bars from the original building. And yeah, it was good. I remember we had clam chowder there. That was really good. Yeah. And my dad really liked it. So it was fun. We also went, I I was going to say, but going back to Dunkin' Donuts, I did not realize like how popular Dunkin' was until I was in Boston and that was like all everybody ever talked about. And there were so many of them. Yeah. I had a lot of Dunkin, not the donuts. I can't do that. But I did have a lot of coffee from there when I lived there. Cause there were just so many, I think I read, I might have to fact check this, but I think I read that in Boston, there are more Dunkin donuts than there are Starbucks. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's a whole lot, but they actually make a really good, like vanilla. I think it's like a vanilla chai tea. Ooh. yeah it's actually really good so I would recommend that since you're a big chai lover yeah I'll have to try that um I'm very impressed by your knowledge of Massachusetts trivia I did a lot better than I thought I was gonna do <laughs> very, very proud of you okay so I will very quickly go over what I made from Massachusetts and then I want to hear what you made uh okay so I made these cookies called Joe Frogger's And I know, Rachel, you saw a picture of them on our shared little Google site. They are. They're so big. I think they're about like six inches in diameter.
1: And
0: yeah. So the Joe Froggers, I read, uh, go back to colonial times. And they are named after a man named Joseph Brown, who was a freed former slave that owned a tavern in Marblehead, Massachusetts. And the cookies were invented by his wife. And the cookies are, they're like a spice cookie. So almost like a gingerbread-esque cookie. Okay. Molasses, rum, and then various spices in them. And it's funny because I always like these these stories about like where things got their name or inspiration yeah. from. Because there's like always five different variations of the story. And no one ever knows which one is true. <laughs> so I read that the name froggers could come from either the way that the batter, like the form that the batter took shape when it was poured into the skillet, when she was like cooking it or, okay. or this one I liked a little bit better just because I think it's a cuter story. I like the idea that it was named after the lily pads in the pond that was next to the tavern. Um, okay. that the frogs were like hopping on. Pads, yeah. <laughs> And so I read that his wife made them that big because she thought it would be cute to make them look like the lily pads. Um, so that's the one we're going to go with because I think that's cuter. I think they were fine. I think I made a mistake because I misread how much rum was supposed to be in there. I read mm-hmm. the ingredients for rum extract and instead was using actual rum. So I definitely should have put like way more rum in the cookies. And having more rum is never really... Problem. I was just gonna say that yes <laughs> so they could have used more rum because I think that would have given them a little bit more flavor mm. um but they were good like I sat down and ate a whole bunch of them you could chaiify these you could chaiify <laughs> these yes <laughs> you add more rum and more chai and you're set yeah. um so I think they could be you know I could improve upon them, but I like them. I have another ball of dough that I need to use. So I'm thinking about sending those to my dad because he really likes gingerbread type cookies. So these aren't baked cookies? They are baked cookies. So I thought the first story was weird where they were like the batter. I was like, do they think that maybe she was originally cooking in a skillet? Like a pancake? Yeah. Um, but they are baked cookies. So I'm not sure where that story came from. Oh, weird. Right? Um, but yeah, they were good. I would I would try them again with some tweaks, I think, is what I've settled on. Yeah, I love cookies. Yeah. Okay, so what did you make from Massachusetts? So apparently, Massachusetts, unlike Utah, is the home of many delicious things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry, I feel like you
0: Utah's going to be like the bread of all the bad food jokes from now on, <laughs> um, including marshmallow fluff. Yes. So I made some homemade marshmallow fluff, which was really interesting because it was a lot like making marshmallows, but I think it uses less gelatin, which is why it doesn't set up completely. Okay. And then I didn't know what to do with marshmallow fluff because I didn't really just want to put it into a sandwich. Um, so I made, I had the cakes that broke from the, the Bundt Cake Challenge <laughs> and I had some whipped ganache in my freezer. So I thawed out the whipped ganache and beat some cherry jam into it and made a trifle with marshmallow fluff, the chocolate cherry cakes and the cherry ganache. Wow. Really, really good. I love that. I love that you were able to repurpose things. Yeah. And the marshmallow fluff was like so shiny and glossy. It was really pretty. Yeah. Oh, that sounds good. It's just very pleasing to to look at. Yes. Um, <laughs> I knew this girl in college that called it Marshmallow Woo. Have you ever heard that? No, I have not. But I think that's really cute. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The first time she said it, I was like, I don't, what? But yeah, she's- What's that? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Very nice. So I've actually never even made a trifle, but I guess theoretically you can make a trifle out of anything. You're just- Yeah, whenever I have a cake that breaks, I make a trifle. Ooh. That is Rachel's fun fact. How uh, to, <laughs> what is it? It's almost like if you had like a troubleshooting <laughs> <Yeah>. segment. <laughs> Got a broken make, cake, make a trifle. Make a trifle. Yeah. Very nice. So I'm aware that you have a lot of marshmallow fluff. I have yeah, It made a lot. Um, <laughs> I have a <laughs> Tupperware container of it in my freezer now. So we're going to see how that works. I imagine I would just thaw it and maybe whip it up a little bit more. I see some chai spice cupcakes in my future stuffed away the marshmallow cream. (laughs) Beautiful. I love it. I'm wondering, do you know much about like who invented it? Like the history, I guess, of the marshmallow fluff. You know what? I did read something about it. Let me, I might have to pull it back up because it's that's stretching my memory a little bit. Because it is kind of an odd thing to. It is. Yeah. I'm very curious about like, was this? somebody who was trying to make marshmallows but messed up and then they were like well this can still be used yeah like maybe they didn't have enough um gelatin or something (laughs) um it was invented in 1917 okay um by a man named archibald query and he formed a partnership with his friend fred and <laughs> can I just say how funny I think that this guy is named Archibald and his friend is Fred. <laughs> just Fred? Yeah. It doesn't really say why. Oh. Um, but the, they formed a partnership to manufacture marshmallow fluff and that uh, no wait, I, I'm sorry. His friend is not named Fred, that's a different person. Oh, okay, um, just yeah. kidding. <laughs> Archibald did invent it. Fred sold it, but he was he sold the formula to Fred and Fred's friend. And they originally called it Toot Sweet Marshmallow Fluff, but Toot Sweet didn't work for people. So it just got shortened to Marshmallow Fluff. Interesting. And um, they sold it by the gallon. Oh my to, God. <laughs> to like restaurants or um, inns and stuff. And they sold it for a dollar a gallon. Who needs a gallon of Marshmallow <laughs> Fluff? What are you making? Um yeah. So it didn't say, um, but I found it interesting too. There as part of advertising in the 30s, there was a flufferettes radio show. A flufferette? Which the, yeah, which was like a music and comedy skit um radio thing, but it was, I guess it was sponsored by Marshmallow Fluff. Wow. <laughs> Something that I never knew was needed but yet existed. Okay. And then World War II came along and sugar was rationed and they had to stop making marshmallow fluff temporarily. I love learning about the history of all these things because it's always so random. It is. It's very interesting. Um, uh, Yeah. Who knew we needed marshmallow fluff, but now we have it and I can't imagine a world without it. (laughs) Yes. And now you have plenty to use for. Yeah. I have a freezer full of marshmallow fluff. Yeah. It's almost like you went ahead and bought a whole gallon of it. Right? <laughs> as I was whipping this up, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a lot. <laughs> so Fluffer Nutter also came from um, Massachusetts as well. The banana, peanut butter, marshmallow sandwich. Oh, that's was really the way to get rid of gallons. <laughs> of Right? Yeah, really. Because I'm like, you're sitting there with <laughs> so much marshmallow fluff. Um, time to get creative. Very cool. All right, so we enjoyed our stay in Massachusetts. Yes, I would definitely visit Massachusetts. <laughs> our next state is probably going to be very far away because we didn't plot these out in order, <laughs> you know. We procrastinated on that part. We did. We just like hopping around. It's true to our nature. We just hop around based on what interests us, so let's we'll find out where we're going next. <laughs> For listening to this episode of Procrastin. We hope we've provided some food for thought for your next Procrastin Baking project. As always, the links and photos discussed in the episode can be found in our show notes. Procrastinate with us on Facebook and Instagram while you wait for our next episode to rise. We release new episodes first and third Fridays on your favorite platform. Tune into the next batch of Procrastin to hear our take on another TikTok trend and a magical dessert in a movie segment. Until next time, stay, stay sweet! sweet. This has been Procrastinating. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a good review. You can also subscribe to us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. You can also subscribe to our RSS feed directly from our website at procrastibakingpodcast.com. Also, feel free to follow us and give us your feedback on social media, on Instagram at at procrastibakingpodcast and Facebook at facebook.com slash procrastibakingpodcast. Procrastibaking is hosted and created by Rachel Rhodes and Luisa Gonzalez, produced and edited by Raul Ceballos, theme music by Alex Walker-Smith, and show artwork by Rob Demers.